Late Night City, Beyond the Dark. Ladies and gentlemen, I've got a fascinating book in front of me. Hitler's Monsters. Now that opens a can of worms. Eric Kurlander is going to tell us all about it. He's in America. Hello, Eric. Hello, Peter. Thank you for having me on the show. Now I'm looking forward to talking about this fascinating book, The Supernatural History of the Third Reich. The platform is all yours. Tell us what this is all about. Wow. Well, so I've, I've been working in uh, German history for quite a while. And as you know, whether you watch uh, Avengers movies or play video games or what have you, the kind of uh, supernatural and occult history of the Third Reich has, has really been a popular uh, theme in, in the media. Um, you see it in the History Channel, you see it in comic books and all these other places. So I thought for this, this book, I'm going to go and go back to the archives in Germany and try to see what the real history or the true history is of all these different ideas, paganism and witchcraft and the occult and what I call border science, um, dowsing, world ice theory. See if there's, there's actually a, a real history there. And that, that's the premise for the book. Now, did you come against any brick walls or was there loads there to work on? Well, you know, initially, it's funny, my, um, my editor, who really liked the idea, when we sent out the proposal, before I'd done a lot of the research, um, one of the reviewers came back and says, I, I really don't see the, the point of doing this. There's no history of the occult that's worthwhile. And I forwarded, for my first archival trip, a document from Alfred Rosenberg, who was the ideological kind of czar of the Nazi party, talking about how he thought the Nazis were successful due to the Germans' proclivity for the occult. And once I forwarded it, he said, well, okay, maybe there's something there. Why don't you go forward with the project? So the, so the roadblock I faced early on is this idea that there's not a, there's not a real history there. It's, this is just a kind of popular mythology. And, and over the years, I've been presenting different chapters and, and papers and building this kind of... Um, uh, I would say, kind of a legitimate history and working with other scholars who are interested in these things to kind of shape that, that idea that there is, there's an important um, component to fascism, and certainly National Socialism, that's linked to supernatural thinking. Hitler was a monster within his own self, wasn't he? Right, so the, the, it's obviously a uh, meta, it's not just a literal monster, but metaphorically, um, the Third Reich was monstrous. Hitler was a monster in terms of his personality and his um, ethics. Um, but then they were fascinated by real monsters and figurative monsters as well. And so that's the right. That that's that's what I'm trying to play on with that title. So where did you get? Was Hitler the head of something that dealt with the occult? So, you know, one of the, the popular mythologies is that Hitler was manipulated by some kind of occult cabal, um, maybe this Russian uh, mystic Gurdjieff, maybe this group called the Vril Society that didn't actually exist. Um, what I found was much more interesting and, and complex, which is that Hitler, like many Nazi leaders, grew up in an era where occult and border scientific and pagan religions were very popular. It was hard not to be immersed in that. And Hitler would pick and choose, like many people at that time, what he found most interesting. 
So he was not a doctrinaire occultist. He didn't belong to any of the, you know, Freemason or Theosophic or Ariosophic groups that were explicitly uh, occultist, but he drew on their practices, both consciously and unconsciously. The swastika itself came from one of these occult Masonic groups, um, the Ariosophists, who founded, some of whom founded the Thule Society, which became the Nazi Party. And Hitler liked the swastika and this Indo-Aryan mythology and appropriated much of that. He also had a dowser go check for, for cancer-causing death rays in the Reich Chancellery and believed in world ice theory, this completely fantastical, made-up idea that the entire universe was created by giant blocks of ice. So Hitler himself um, was immersed in many of these ideas without being a doctrinaire occultist, if that makes sense. Did you find out anything while you were doing your research into why he massacred and why he despised and hated the Jewish nation so much? Right. So one of the arguments um, in, in my book is that the reason Nazi anti-Semitism and ultimately Nazi policy against the Jews culminated in the Holocaust was so extreme is that it was always um, leavened with this supernatural thinking. That is, um, much anti-Semitism in the late 19th, early 20th century is linked either to religious anti-Semitism coming from Christian uh, theology and tradition, or this kind of scientific anti-Semitism, that the Jews are a separate race, they can't be assimilated, linked to modern racism, as we saw in the United States in terms of slavery. But the Nazis or Central European occultists in general and, and, and right-wing folkish thinkers, added these kind of Atlantean, Indo-Aryan mythological elements to their views on race, which was not from biology. It was mostly religious or, or faith-based. And that allowed them to make any argument they wanted when it came to the Jews. The Jews were these kind of superhuman, vampiric figures who pop up throughout history to kind of suck you know, the lifeblood out of any society, and they're manipulating it from behind the scenes. Uh, Hitler and Himmler even believed that the witchcraft craze of the Middle Ages was really the Jews manipulating the Vatican to get rid of German civilization, because witchcraft, what they called witchcraft, were just pagan, you know, um, earth mothers, uh, practicing an Aryan, an Ur-Aryan nature religion, um, which, which some people associated with Luciferianism, um, and, the, and the Inquisition was an attempt to wipe them out, because the Jews, of course, wanted to get rid of all Aryan culture. So this, it, it goes back to this kind of supernatural thinking. It was not just an extension of Darwinism or biology. Did you find out anything that would have... Um connected Hitler with advice from people who uh, were in the occult? So Hitler himself uh, did not have his own personal occultist, though he was friends with people who called themselves magicians or occultists. Um, Himmler and Hess had their own personal astrologers. Himmler, even with the SS more broadly, assembled dozens of occultists to help find Mussolini in 1943. Um, the, 
the Navy set up its own pendulum institute to use pendulum dowsing basically to suspend a, a metal um, uh, pendulum over a map and see if, if these occultists could find British uh, enemy destroyers uh, that were going after their U-boats. So um, Hitler himself, while Hitler was certainly part and parcel of this entire culture, there were other Nazis who were even more systematic in investing in and exploiting these ideas. How will the Germans accept this book? Because the Germans are still trying to get over Hitler, still trying to forget it, move on, move on. And then a book like this comes out. How, how will this be received, in your opinion, in Germany? It's a good question. Um, I've presented aspects of this book in Germany, and I will say that there is a little more pushback against its, its relevance, um, not insofar as these themes were irrelevant. The German historians acknowledge how widespread occult, paganist, um, clairvoyance, all these kinds of ideas were. There's no denying that those were popular in Germany or Austria. The argument that many German and Austrian historians make is that it had nothing in particular to do with fascism, that there isn't some kind of causal link or affinity between people who, who believed in these border scientific ideas and people who supported Hitler. And my argument is there is an affinity, that if you look at the socialists or the liberals or the Catholic Party, there's just no kind of correlation between supernatural, what I call the supernatural imaginary, and their political and social views. But when you look at the radical right in Germany and Austria, especially the Nazis, there is. And so that's where I think the tension will be, not denying that these ideas existed or these institutes or these practices, but that there's some kind of real history there that links it to Nazism. Do you believe it's still going on, even though Hitler's dead? Or did it die with Hitler? Well, so the, the argument I make in the in the epilogue, is that every culture, every society has what I would call a supernatural imaginary, a kind of cluster of views that are faith-based, that are linked to, to you know, non-material explanations of the world. It could be traditional Christianity or Islam. It could be these more uh, fantastical ideas we see in, in the 20s and 30s in Germany, and that in times of crisis, people tend to resort to the, that way of thinking as a way to resolve problems um, that are otherwise complicated and difficult. And I would argue that Germany, ironically, or, or maybe it, this, is, this is not so paradoxical, is probably the least susceptible these days to that kind of thinking because of their history. Um, even the Austrians, a very conservative country, not, not a country that's terribly diverse or cosmopolitan, 90% Caucasian and Christian, still got all the people from the center to the left to, to make sure that the fascist party didn't get elected um, last year, right? The Germans keep electing moderates on the center right or center left. I'm more worried about France, the Netherlands, Britain, and the United States, who seem all the more prone to this kind of fantastical uh, thinking that's, you know, not related to material reality, conspiracy-driven, um, the, the government's hiding something from us. We need to get back to faith and, and folk and, and, and our, our, our or culture. Um, you see that with the alt-right. So I'm concerned about it, but not in Central Europe right now, more in Western Europe or Eastern Europe.
So you're saying that other governments uh, practice supernatural things? Parties, certainly. I would say that the right-wing parties, I would say Le Pen's movement, I would say the alt-right movement in, in Scandinavia and the Netherlands and Greece, they draw on kind of fascist uh, folkloric tropes. Um, which have some affinities to the kinds that the Nazis and other right-wing groups were using in the 20s and 30s. And I'd say that kind of thinking is prevalent in America as well, though it's fueled as much by evangelical Christianity and other forms of faith than it is by any kind of occult reasoning. But I'd say that that facilitates irrational or untestable solutions to problems, right? How do you argue with someone who's drawing on astrology or dowsing or a particular religious text or occult philosophy about the solution to a problem? And if they believe that, they believe it. What can you do about it? I'm talking to Eric Kalanda, who's got an amazing book out called uh, Hitler's Monsters, The Supernatural History of the Third Reich. Um, how's the book been received? Well, so it came out first in Britain, in the UK, and uh, it got a, quite a good review in the Times of London and The Spectator. Um, so I would say, clearly, what, what the test will be the degree to which um, the lay public realizes it's not just about the purient stories I'm telling, and there are a lot of great stories in this book but also the lessons that one might learn from this, as, as, as uh, we just talked about. I'm, so far, the reviews, um, at the end, they do acknowledge that this is a pattern we may, we, we may see happening again. Um, and so it's been well-received. The question is, is it, will, will the focus be on the, the um, supernatural stories, which are, again, great and, and fascinating and tell us a lot about the Third Reich, or also on the ways that these kinds of patterns can repeat themselves um, uh, in the present. How does the book finish? I, I, finish, I mean, the last chapter focuses on the way that what I call uh, supernatural, what the, the twilight of the Third Reich. So I use that again multiple ways. Um, twilight in the sense of Götterdammerung, that the Nazis started thinking in Wagnerian terms that they were in the midst of some kind of fantastical, mythological battle for civilization, and either they would win a total victory or it would be a total defeat and everything would be destroyed. That's why it was so hard to negotiate with them um, diplomatically. They also had this investment in miracle weapons, Wunderwaffen, which I'm sure you've heard of and your listeners have heard of, which was out of all proportion with reality. So you have Albert Speer, the armaments minister, saying, you know, you've really got to stop this propaganda that we're going to come up with some fantastical rocket or death ray that's going to turn the tide of the war. And yet you've got Goebbels and Himmler and Hitler all pronouncing this, and some of them seem to actually believe they're going to come up with something using anti-gravity or some kind of esoteric science that other countries haven't yet discovered. Um, and then finally, the theme that I think the, the twilight idea in this last these last months of the war is the fact that they literally created a werewolf organization to fight against vampires. 
Um, I have archival evidence, not only of the German werewolf, which many people have heard of, this partisan movement that Hitler and Himmler and Goebbels created to both scare and fight off the, the Russian partisans and then, of course, the allies when they came in. But we have reports collected by an SS folklorist of German ethnic Germans fleeing the East, right? Because ethnic Germans lived in Poland and Serbia and all these parts of Eastern Europe, claiming dozens of these reports that Slavic partisans who were affiliated with the communists were turning into vampires and attacking them and trying to drink their blood. And the reason this is fascinating as a denouement to the Third Reich is there's a long tradition in Central European folklore that the Nazis themselves discuss of the werewolf being a positive figure, this kind of ur-Germanic um, uh, hero going back to Odin and his, and his wolves and, and who can transform when necessary to protect the folk, and that's Germanic. But then you've got the Slavic or Jewish vampire that's decadent and undead and, and impure and corrupt, which is always trying to insinuate itself and destroy the, the purity of German culture. And the fact that you've got them literally creating a werewolf organization to fight vampires in 1944-45 is, for me, fascinating and, and as a kind of conclusion to this. Did you come across any barriers that turned against you, the, 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 anywhere people stopped you finding out stuff and you thought, wow, why is that? No, not at all, actually. I, I, uh, the Germans have, again, while their historians are can be quite critical of Anglo-American historians who might disagree with them, they've learned from history. Germany is very open um, to debates about their own past, and even though you could see this as a somewhat controversial topic, the fact that I was a reputable historian already and had written a couple books, I didn't, I didn't encounter uh, much skepticism. Um, I was invited to give talks at some major universities. I would say that in terms of grant writing, this is probably beyond the uh, interest of your, of your listeners, that this topic, you had almost the opposite, right? So while it's very popular from a lay perspective, there were people who were skeptical about whether they wanted to fund this kind of research um, in terms of, of uh, German and Austrian granting agencies. And I, I do wonder if that's because they didn't want that association with the Third Reich coming up again. Um, but other than that, I didn't notice any real barriers, no. Eric, you're fascinating. How can people find out more about you? Well, you can uh, uh, look on my webpage at uh, Stetson University. Um, I think that I'm in Wikipedia. Are you pleased with the book? I'm very, I'm very pleased. I, I do think it came out well. Eric, you're a fascinating man. Thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you so much, Peter, for having me on your show.